Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at MNDriveInPod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to the Midnight Drive-In at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food and drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. Drive away your worries and cares at this drive-in theater. That's why, to familiarize you with the movie rating symbols which will be used by this theater, we present the following guide for parents and young people. X, no one under 17 admitted. Could go to Sorn, he was the first one there. Made right. a good scene of it all. But that was like half an hour ago. I know. The problem was showing up that early. Probably asleep. <laughs> I mean, I have to admit, that'd be kind of funny. So yeah, I couldn't sleep for like 72 hours And of course, right as I was needed to be on the show I fell asleep Honestly, it figures with him You know how he is Unavailable (sighs) Son of a bitch It's even his movies He can't be mad at us for the movies It's weak or anything Right? So I know you don't really watch anymore But if you've been paying attention to the Insanity of WWE at the moment. Kinda, yeah. <laughs> not, not the any of the actual on t on TV stuff. Just the behind the stage drama. Oh yeah, no, no. I haven't watched WWE in forever. It's. So, do you think the rumors are true that he he Vince is coming back to kind of like arrange the final sale and oh, walk from away what, fully? From what I've heard, they've hired was it Goldman Sachs or whatever. Like, okay. Or is it JP Morgan or I don't know what the fuck it is. Whichever. Yeah. Like somebody to come in and do a valuation to figure out what they can get for it. Yeah. So sounds like that's full on what the uh what the plan is. I mean they're publicly traded, so Yeah. If he wants to sell his shares, all he really has to do is call his stockbroker. Yeah, but he wants to do a full-on sale of the company and pretty much held them hostage until they reinstated them to the board, so... Yeah. Yeah. And Steph's just like, fuck it. <laughs> Retired. She's like, I've had enough, I'm out of here. It was kind of funny, like, just the way... The, like, I read her, like, I don't know what it was, tweet or something, whatever the statement was, and it was yeah. like... It was like, yeah, you remember when I was on leave before? I'm just going to do that, but like forever. <laughs> <laughs> just fucking done. It's a pain in my ass. She's like, I'm so tired of this bullshit. Yeah. I mean, they've all got to be rich to the point of they don't need to be doing it if they don't want to be doing it, right? No, they don't. Nice. The only thing that's uh, interesting to me is if somebody else takes control then does that what does that do as far as the product goes like i have no idea do they go like i mean they're gonna go balls to the wall trying to make money that gone is all the like love for the art of wrestling right it's just about making money if somebody else buys it so completely what what do they do with that do they like what do they think is the best way to make money that's the question i don't know 
Well, there's rumors one of the interested buyers may be the Saudi royal family. Oh, yeah. Uh, it sucks to be in the women's division. Right? <laughs> you have to wrestle in fucking hijabs and shit. <laughs> uh disney's one of the other big contenders apparently because you know disney buys everything yeah i could see disney buying it i don't even have an explanation for that i just could see disney buying yeah. it. um i mean they had a, they have a working relationship with fox which disney owns so yeah makes sense and then uh, they, Univ- universal is the other one since isn't uh Monday night raw has been on usa forever they have a deal with NBC too, don't they? For like streaming or whatever. Uh they do. I mean, that's so universal. That's universal as well. So okay. Oh, I did. I guess, yeah, I forget. I forget that there's only three companies in the world. Right. Well, technically, they're all owned by Comcast. So, <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ! It's so ludicrous. Yeah. And then I was thinking, you know, technically, Tony Khan, who owns AEW, is a billionaire. He could just pony up some money, maybe just buy it. That'd be interesting. I'm not saying he would. They'd probably try to price him out of it on purpose, but. Yeah. Who knows what ludicrous price Vince is going to try to get for it anyway. Well, because, I mean, technically, he only owns 51% of the shares, right? Or something like that? Uh, 70%, what I read. Oh, 70, okay. So, I mean, he's, yeah, he's basically in full control of everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, he's still subject to all sorts of rules because of the fact that they're publicly traded, but. Yeah. yeah. I don't really know what all those rules are. No, I have no idea. But he, because uh, he still had majority share of the stock, so he'd still like veto stuff. Yeah. And since all their TV deals are going to be coming up soon, he basically threatened, like, I will not sign off on any media deals. I'm not reinstated to the board so I could sell the company. But see, he'd be fucked if he tried that, though, because whoever owns the remaining shares of the company could sue the shit out of him at that point. Yeah, that's what it would like, seem, but... Like, being the majority shareholder is not give you a right to tank the company. <laughs> <laughs> like, you still have to be making decisions that are in the best interest of everyone else. So, yeah, I don't know. But apparently it worked. They voted to reinstate him, so... I don't fucking know. All places are going to be a dumpster fire soon. We'll see. Especially since they just rehired a bunch of people that Vince just fired, so. Yeah, it's... What a fucking messy industry. Right? It's so, like... It's so weird when companies that are that publicly visible and that big are owned and controlled by like one dude like it's yeah especially somebody who's completely out of touch of how everything works now yeah well that's the problem right now with the people who are like most of the people who are billionaires are guys in their like 70s and 80s 
and they still think the world is 1955 and they don't understand. Yeah. For some reason, they're able to cling to power and wealth still. I don't really understand why. The wealth I get because it's kind of just hard to just take it away. Yeah, rich people never become unrich, really. Even when they quote-unquote lose everything, they still somehow end up like, oh yeah, I lost everything, and now I'm worth like $5 billion again. Well, it's because so much of their worth is nonsensical. It's so weird. Yeah. Well, I'm 100% sure Noah fell asleep. Yeah. It does seem that way right now. Uh, so it's interesting. This was his week. And yeah. uh, I just realized my I get to pick for next week. I should probably yeah. figure out what we're doing. Nah, it's pretty early in the show to be worried about that. Just wing it. Just That's what I do. <laughs> <laughs> it's usually right around the time when you say, well, what are we doing next week? And I go, right. Oh, yeah. I was supposed to figure that out, wasn't I? Um, well, I don't know. Should we should we just jump into the movies that Noah picked? And then I guess barely, we, barely fell asleep. Like, he was super excited to do this topic, and we offered to postpone because he said he wasn't feeling well. And yeah. then he, I don't know what to do. I guess we move on without him. <laughs> What's the worst case scenario? He'll gather a group of thugs and launch a siege on one of our homes. That's, oh, that's not likely to occur. There we go. Good segue, Doug. I thought I was, you know, not really, but. <laughs> uh, well, since you're our resident Canadian, do you want to tell us about the movie Siege? Siege. Yeah, I can tell you the extremely detailed plot of Siege, which is that um, there's a police strike in Halifax. and uh, Which apparently which, was a real thing. Yeah, there was a real police strike. in. This movie is very much based on the political events that were going on in Canada at the time. So 1981, there's a police strike in Halifax. Um, apparently, according to this movie, Halifax is like just a homophobic hellscape just hanging on by a thread and the minute the police leave the streets everybody just goes fucking nuts and some gang of <laughs> wannabe fascists uh, decides they're going to go in and terrorize uh, some innocent gay people at their gay bar and uh, they storm in and start causing trouble uh, air quotes inadvertently kill a guy um, so they call in their big boss and they're like what the fuck are we going to do and he he does the like the heat solution of well one guy's dead now if we just kill everybody <laughs> now that it's murder one I guess we just take everybody out right <laughs> uh, sure why not so he's as he's gradually executing all the customers at this bar one of them manages to escape and runs and hides in uh, an apartment building which is the apartment building where the filmmakers lived at the time of making the movie <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> if, if that gives anybody an idea of the budget um and so the remainder of the film is, yeah, this guy, the residents of this apartment building, take this guy in and try to keep him safe. Um, while the gang just basically sieges the building for the remainder of the movie. 
and we get um, these guys are trapped inside. So we get a lot of very home alone like scenarios where they just <laughs> are using whatever they have around the house to uh, try and fend off these attackers. I did find it interesting. This apartment building has a lot of like hidden uh, like doorways and shit in it. It did. It's really weird, a uh, really weird building, but it really suited the movie well. <laughs> I was yeah. like, at first I'm like, they didn't have enough money to build these sets and shit. And then when I was reading up on it and they're talking about how they basically made it in their own building. And I'm like, so like, that's like a guy. Cause like the, 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 the thing I keep thinking about is that um, the medicine cabinets from the two different apartments. And if you open them up, you can see into each other's apartment. <laughs> that's just neighbors figured that out and went, Oh fuck, we can make a movie about that. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, which apparently used to be a real thing. Yeah, it's weird, but I guess it used to be a thing. Yeah, yeah you could just take out your medicine cabinet and crawl into the apartment next door. I think it that, that happened in the original Candyman too. I think. Yeah, yeah, that was so. It's these like weird. kind of lower quality buildings. Yeah, but yeah, it's a the movie ends up is basically kind of an assault on precinct 13 type setup. That's everyone says this movie's influenced heavily by that. And I, I don't think we should not say it because it's very clearly <laughs> true. Um, and yeah, I mean, mostly with the exception of the, some of the stuff outside the, the police station, which I think is actual real news footage. And then the scene at the bar, which I actually think there's a chance I've been to that bar. Um, <laughs> it's, it, um, everything else takes place in that one building. So a whole movie of just a really clever way to make a, a good exploitation film. I think And making it like a siege movie is it's perfect, right? It's the perfect, perfect setup. like low budget yeah. sort of setup for a movie. Cause it's like, well, we have this building. Hey, look who decided to join us. Sleeping beauty. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you're not I told you you could take the night off and sleep, but you said, "Oh Dude, no!" You know what the you know what the funny thing is? I'm sitting like I'm sitting in the chair directly in front of the computer, and I even sent you guys that message that I was here, and I must have just like blinked and passed out. <laughs> <laughs> We had a nice talk about WWE and everything. You missed it. Oh, yeah. We're, we're killing time. Yeah. Vinny well, Mac back again. <laughs> all right. All right. Now, you're too late for that discussion. We're already yep. done our plot description of Siege. So why don't you just <laughs> fuck, fuck all this other talk? Why don't you just tell us what you thought of Siege? We were commenting how smart it was to center it all in one apartment building for the low budgetness since they all since the filmmakers lived there. That just made it like super simple and easy to shoot this movie. I mean, did the it was a real apartment that somebody lived in? Yeah. Because what the what the fuck is up with this building? <laughs> what kind of fucking fever dream is this fucking building that they live in? We already said that. Yeah, super low uh, low income like mismatch of uh, just put a bunch of rooms in in there and then seal them off or some shit but have weird stairways to the roof that apparently has has tiny little uh, uh what the fuck would you even call those not skylights but 
like hatches that you can just jump from one apartment to the other. Yeah. What's yeah, weird about I, that? I was gonna say for one for one of these movies that like you know, it's kind of it's thin on uh traditional plot, like there isn't necessarily structure to it. Yeah. Right. Man, it's such a good movie. I mean, I don't think I don't think there was a second of this movie that I wasn't like. Oh, this is engaging. You know what I mean? <laughs> I fully agree with you. Like it was um, like I was on the edge of my seat during this movie. Like I was fully following, trying to guess what would happen next, unable to guess what was going to happen next. I was loving the traps these guys were making. Um, I, I really dug the building where everybody's like just like zigzagging through these like apparent like um, secret passages and shit. It's weird. It has like because we already made the reference to um, Assault on Precinct 13 and I made a joke about how they how like this movie is a precursor to Home Alone. It also has like diehard elements to it because it's got like these guys like sliding around this building through all these weird passageways and stuff. And it's kind of like RoboCop with a police strike leading to chaos in the streets. This movie's like everything great that was going to come in the next 10 years, but they put it, stuffed it all into one movie at the beginning of the 80s. Yeah, and they managed to have uh, these... Re- <laughs> I, I don't know. I was, I was getting ready to call them ridiculous fascist characters, but... <laughs> Fuck, fuck me! Do they just sound like Trump supporters? Maybe, oh my re- god! Maybe ridiculous fascists back in the eighties. I mean, just the crazy the way they like phrase things in this movie that yeah. I think they were intentionally making them phrase things badly. You know what I mean? But it's like, no, that's just how people talk now. That's crazy. That's crazy that people adopted the position of the fucking psychopaths in this movie. It it was so weird watching this movie, especially the like kind of the opening scene where they're in that bar and they're like causing all that trouble. And I'm like, why does this feel like it's today? Like, why does it feel so much like a contemporary film when it was made in Halifax in 1981? Like it's, you know, it's so it's so strange and it's so like it feels like there's this weird element of it where like the bad guys are just attacking gay people for being gay and they sort of the good guys are the ones who just want to protect this guy because he's just living his life and he hasn't done anything wrong. So naturally we should protect him and they never even really stop to think about the fact that he's gay. Right. And that wasn't a very important political message in 1981. Um, like, I don't know if you guys know, but in Canada, like around the time this film was made, there was like a lot of protests going on because police were clamping down on gay bars and stuff. Cause a lot of that shit was still technically illegal back then. And it was the eighties. So there was like that conservative crackdown trying to clean up the big cities and stuff. So all that messaging was there, but I guarantee the filmmakers didn't think that messaging would be relevant this far into the future. Like it's not so like, yeah. When you have a political fight like this, it's not supposed to be the same discussion 30 years later. You're supposed to move forward. And it's it's a little bit depressing watching this and seeing how much it seems like something that could happen today. 
Yeah, this could easily be remade and you wouldn't have to change a whole lot. No, just give everybody a cell phone and have a line of dialogue about why they don't work. Yeah, yeah and and for a movie that's kind of about uh, de- defending the, the person who deserves to be defended, despite them being a stranger. I will say the one the one slightly disappointing thing about this movie is that character. Who I don't Danielle. Yes. Why is what's disappointing about him? Something, something about the way that they portray that character. I was like, I don't understand how this movie can have such a positive, progressive message and also portray the gay person as you know he hides in the closet through the major part well, <laughs> of the first. You know what I mean? I mean, you got to have some jokes, so you got to put the gay guy in the closet at some point. You got to have one joke in the whole movie about it. <laughs> Well, and I I mean, you know, and the fact that his name is Danielle instead of Daniel, and that's clearly like. No, no. See, that, that that's just your American showing. Uh, he's Danielle because it's the French pronunciation. Of yeah, it. I was going to say it's. Is, fr- is that what it Canadian is? Yeah. Okay. So so they're in Halifax. He's I, I can tell you that character is probably from one of the smaller towns in New Brunswick where there's a lot of French speaking people. And he probably just moved to Halifax because. Well, then, that, from... then then I will forgive that. But but once again, I don't know. There's something about I don't, they make him kind of this weak character. Which I didn't. I don't know. There's something about that I didn't see, appreciate. But see, I, 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 I suppose it, the movie's supposed to be about defending somebody who is the victim. So they were trying to make that person the victim. Yeah, see, that's what I what I was going to say is I actually think it's good filmmaking, because if he was capable of defending himself, then he would just become an action hero and this wouldn't be the same movie, right? The movie's about these other people deciding to protect him because he needs it, because he's screwed if they don't, you know? Uh, yeah, I would still watch that other movie too, though. I mean, sure, there's a, a different movie you could make. I mean, probably that's a 1985 movie, not a 1981 movie, <laughs> but a 1985 movie is he gets into the building and then he escapes into the ducks and just sticking his head out and stabbing the guys when they walk by and stuff, you know, that's, that's, it's a very different movie. What's up with their spooky fucking neighbor who apparently is some kind of uh, survivalist psychopath. (laughs) I mean, look, it's low budget filmmaking. He's prepared for this his whole life. He's low budget filmmaking. You have to have a character that knows how to do shit. Assholes at the door, eh? We better build pipe bombs. <laughs> he does. He does know an awful lot about like how to kill people who are trying to get into your building. He's like, he's got it all figured out. When he when he starts rigging the door handle to be electrocute people, I'm like, how do you just know how to do that? I don't think most people just know how to do that. But you know, you got to give the move something. Yeah, Kevin Kevin McAllister learned it somewhere. Yeah. Oh, uh, his was his was the hot thing though. Okay. Yeah, because they toned it down when they stole the ideas from this movie for Home Alone. <laughs> they toned it down because the child was doing it. Right. Uh, I was going to say, I'm curious because this is out on a pretty good Blu-ray from Severn Films. Yeah. I'm curious what the special features would be because I would love to sort of hear about like all this stuff that we're discussing. I would love to hear stuff from like the filmmakers if there's 
sort of what their idea behind everything was besides just low budget, easy to yeah. get sympathy for, well, for uh, marginalized characters. And I, I definitely stuff. like, I read a couple of things about it. Um, Cause I really liked the movie and got interested and definitely like including the real life police strike, having it be a gay bar where these these people who think they're the new world order who are going to take over now that there's no cops to run the streets, they're going to do it immediately go to the, to the gay bar and try to harass people. That's a, an intentional political message. That's not a coincidence. Um, you know, I, th- I think they've acknowledged somewhere along the way that assault on precinct 13 was a heavy influence probably because they could make it, you know, on the cheap. Yeah. So it looks like the Blu-ray only, the only special feature really, apparently has an extended cut, which I would watch more of this. Yeah. Uh, the only special feature really is an audio commentary with co-director Paul Donovan and yep. filmmaker Jason Eisner, who I believe was the filmmaker behind Hobo with a Shotgun. Yes. So the guys who made Hobo with a Shotgun when they were touring with that film and stuff, they referenced this movie a lot oh, and played, they, they played a role in, yeah, they, they played a major role in getting this movie released on Blu-ray because it was something that they were fans of and that had inspired them because they're, I think they're technically not from Halifax, but they're from like across the river, like really close to there. Well, yeah, I was, I was going to say, so this movie's been on my like list of to watch stuff for a really, really long time. And I only watched it because I think Dynamo Mars or somebody posted that they had watched it. And I was like, oh, yeah, you know what? That's that Canadian <laughs> movie about fascists trying to <laughs> kill a bunch of people in an apartment. I, I should watch that. He did. He did call our uh, team up of this um, one of the best, maybe one of the best double features of all time. It's, listen, he's might be right. High, so. high, <laughs> high praise. We fucking nailed it this week. <laughs> it's like, yeah, like, like this trying, trying to keep it like on tap with this movie. Like I, yeah. it's, it's so tense and it's, yeah, it's a low budget exploitation film, but it never goes into that territory of like, you know, like a, some exploitation goes over the top. It never really does that. Like even when they are building the pipe bombs and they figure out how to launch that one thing across the street to take out the guy that's on the roof. And, you know, even though the the fascists start having like guns and like bigger machine guns and stuff, it still never kind of crosses that line where it goes over the top. And which that's is, um, which is extra crazy. The opening the opening scene of the the group of neo nazis like taking over the gay bar yeah that intro scene of them all walking in and tapping their baseball bats to the rhythm of the music playing <laughs> in the gay bar oh, yeah was so uh i i don't know like the warriors cartoonish yeah you know what I mean? So it was so unrealistic. It was so out of this world that I was like, oh, wow. So this is going to be a way different movie than I thought it was going to be. And then, no, it turns out to be this real. Uh, I, I, I don't know. I wouldn't call it gritty and dirty. It might be the wrong word for it, but it's kind of just a very straightforward uh kind of spit in your face 
violent this is the story that we're telling. I almost wonder if that's like on purpose. Like you almost get these sort of like West Side Story, like, you know, <laughs> gang coming in, you know, clapping their weapons to the beat of the music, like, you know. And then like, oh no, like this dude just shot a bunch of people on the back of the head and we watched it all. Right. It gets so dark so fucking fast. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the minute they get inside and just the tension as soon as they're in the bar, it's like, well, what are we like? We just saw guys like doing donuts in front of the police station while cops were protesting. Cut to that, you know, for that really awkward scene of them tapping the bats on their hands and stuff. And as soon as they get in that bar and start screaming like, words that I'm not going to say on this podcast. <laughs> um, it's just like, as soon as they start doing that, you're like right away. It's like everything just stops. And it's like, it's like a cut in the music and you're like, Oh, we're in it now. So and screaming, we're... screaming slurs like Billy Barty in a wrestling movie. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but it's just like, and you're like, everything is so tense right away. And it's, you can tell that it's hard to like having seen this for the first time in 2023, I st- I think even the way they were talking was even offensive in 1981, but I'm not 100% sure. Like, I know that some of those words were more commonly used in schoolyards and stuff back in the 80s, but I think the way they're using them is like, would be shocking to an audience seeing it in the day. Yeah. Um, especially because they're like, I, I mean, I don't know what it was like in 1981, but I feel like a lot of people, even who are uncomfortable around gay people, are kind of fine with like, yeah, if they have their own bar and they want to go over there and do their thing, it's fine. So invading their space is even to, even to bigots. That's like, well, why would you go in there if you don't want to be around them? Just let them be kind of, you know what I mean? So it's like, these guys are, are just that extra level of evil. And because it's so serious, you're like, Oh shit, like stuff's going to go down here real quick. And I wasn't expecting like multiple executions in the first, like 10 to 15 minutes of the movie. Right. Yeah. Well, it's and like, the invasion, the invasion of a gay bar is such a, an interesting premise of stuff. So, uh, obviously, I'm not I'm not a member of that uh, little sub subgroup of society, but I have a lot of you know gay folks that I know and all that. And whenever I was in college, we used to go hang out at a bar called the Gay Nineties in Minnesota. It was it was a gay club and it was the best because it was like super clean and fun and everybody you know what I mean it, yeah. it was the, it was awesome and later in life um, whenever I got to know one of my bosses he was an older gay guy right who kind of like came of age back in the early seventies and things like that and in listening to him talk about it there's this weird disconnect of people his age would get irritated about younger gay people bringing their straight friends into <laughs> gay bars yeah because that was the place where they were safe and you did not yeah. bring outsiders into the you know what i mean like yeah when it, when when people are feel attacked on a daily basis and they have one place where they can go where they can just be themselves and fit in and not have to, you know, not have to worry who sees them and not have to, you know, not have to feel like they're on edge. They can just relax and just be safe. Uh, I can totally understand why they want to be left alone in those places. They don't want anyone who's not part of that group to be there. And 
I mean, I think it's different now, but back then it was like, I mean, if, if straight people were to go into a gay bar that they would probably, there's that risk of, Oh, well I went in there as a joke or something, but then I saw Bob from work and now Bob's going to have a much harder time at work next week. You know what I mean? Um, and so I think like, yeah, it, it is from, from the filmmaker's perspective, it is very much an easy way to be like, we're attacking this vulnerable group at a time when they feel safe, when they almost never do feel safe. So it really, it really creates tension quickly and easily early in the film. And they do a great job of then never letting that tension down. Right. And, and there's that not lost irony of someone going out of their way to go down to this end of town where they point out that like no one lives there because apparently this is like the low rent falling apart side of town. Yeah. They go all the way down there. They get their friends together. They invade the gay bar, walk into the gay bar and then go, we're not going to let you guys corrupt us. You know, <laughs> like, yeah. Your your lifestyle invading our our you know pure straight space or whatever the fuck they think that they live in and it's like yeah but you're here you came here yeah. <laughs> like yeah. well no and yeah and that is it, again it it's not that different from listening to people who are constantly now saying like I can't well why do you got to throw it in our faces why do you got to throw all this stuff in our faces and it's like I those people are just living their lives. Why don't you just leave them alone? But that's, that's how these people talk. And it's, it gets back to that point of like, it's weird how much it doesn't seem that different than what would happen today. Yeah. Yeah. When you take another person's existence as aggression, you've already lost the fucking plot. Um, on the other hand, remember when they opened up the two file, the two uh, medicine cabinets and fired that arrow into that guy's neck? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I just things got real serious uh, there, and I was just uh, mind, mind everyone that a guy took an arrow uh, through a neck in the movie, and it was fucking great. No, fired an arrow through his neck, shot him with a rifle, and burned him with a can of hairspray with a lighter taped to it, all yeah. at the same time. Like that dude just got the fuck <laughs> bad end of the stick. The only person who got it worse was the guy who got the shittily built pipe bomb that just ended up like embedding a bunch of screws in him. Yeah, because he didn't die. <laughs> right? like he, was, he spent the rest of the movie like just laying there suffering. And I'm like, oh, well, that's rough. <laughs> oh, yeah, we got to talk about that, too. What a fucking great ending to this movie. Of the very last scene is showing that guy, the guy who survived, that's one of the Nazis, and he's a fucking cop. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, once again, I wish that's not how it fucking worked. Yeah. Like, it seems to be, I mean, you know, again, the political messaging is not subtle, right? No. Um, it's so, like, it's, if it's, this it's movie... so crazy that this is Canada. This feels so much like a uh, that that sort of nihilistic nineteen, like early nineteen seventies, late nineteen sixties America, especially the American Northeast movie. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I mean, 
I've been to Halifax and this, I don't feel that this is an accurate portrayal of it. Um, I don't think the town would fall apart if the police presence disappeared. It's, it's a lot of like fishermen and college kids drinking too much. I don't think it's, like that. you know, <laughs> you would have thought they would have said it in Calgary. It's basically Texas. Yeah. It was probably snowing in Calgary at the time. Just guessing. Um, yeah. Plus, I, plus you can't film something in Halifax and pretend it's not Halifax because they got those really steep streets everywhere you go. It's almost like Canada's equivalent to San Francisco. It's like it's really noticeable. Yeah, we were talking about how the message in this is not subtle whatsoever. I feel like if if this movie came out today, people like fucking Why do you gotta get so political? Alt-right Nazis would lose their shit because oh, they're yeah, like, yeah. oh, look, they're portraying police officers as fucking Nazis and all this stuff and blah, blah, blah. And I'd be like, yeah, but that's it's it's well, real, unfortunately. Guess, guess, this is guess the, the weirdest thing been for a really long time. <laughs> the weirdest thing about like modern day like neo-fascists that are running around acting like it's normal to be that way is like. I was raised on movies like this. They were the bad guys in these movies. That's probably plays a role in why I see them as the bad guys in real life. And, you know, like their leader, Donald Trump, was literally the inspiration for many evil bad guys in movies in the later part of the 80s when they stopped making this type of movie and started making it where it was the corporate bad guys. Um, and they've somehow now have convinced themselves with the good guys. And it's like, no, like go back and watch these movies. Why do you associate with the guys who are obviously terrible in the films? Why do you, why do you think you're the good guy? And when you watch this movie, you're like, I can't believe they're making me look bad. And it's like, well, then what, like, why do you see yourself in the bad guys? I don't understand how they, how they can re- equate that. You know what I mean? Like if I was watching this movie and I related to those fascist characters, I would be upset with myself, not with the movie. I'd be like, well, why, why do I think like those guys think? Look how terrible they are. Yeah. It's, it's really, it's a really interesting thing that's gone on in the world where, I don't know. The world's weird and it sucks. Yeah. When that one guy is, uh, when they think it's over and he's going to leave, to go to like the doctor because he got his finger shot up. And then the other guy just kind of pops out and grabs him and strangles him to death, though. Fuck, that's a good kill scene, man. As I really enjoyed that. <laughs> I'm trying to I'm trying to bring out the positives in this conversation as best I can. It's not usually my role. Um, well, I think us uh, beating up on fucking Nazis from the 80s or present day is positive. All right. Which, by the way, I just ordered this on Blu-ray. Good. When you listen to the commentary track, I want you to let me know uh, if they talk about where the the bar scene was filmed and that. Because I have a feeling it's this like place that's now really touristy, where there's a brewery and you can do tours of it, and the outside's all that outside courtyard is all fixed up now, and you can like, and it's all it's like a tourist trap now, but it sure it's looked like, like the same where, place. Where they serve their their paddles of micro brews. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Would but, you like a microbrew flight? Oh, yes, I would. Thank you. I fucking love flights of beer, man. You get to try like five <laughs> kinds of beer. If one sucks, you just drink it quick and move on to the next one. Ah, oh, 
flights of beer. That that's my jam, yo. <laughs> Uh, yeah, we were talking about how, like, just sort of the mood of this movie from the beginning really sets the movie up. I think having a sniper on the other roof really helps. Yeah. And it's anytime anybody's like moving around, you're like, oh, fuck, get down, get down. Yeah. Yeah. Even, yeah, if, it, even if the sniper's not like a main part of the scene, you're still just like, he's there. Yeah. He's there. He's watching. Don't get too close to the window. I can crawl across the floor. Yeah, there's like that element of it adds so much tension to the movie. I think I think I think because of the executions at the beginning of the movie, like we're prepared for anyone to die at any time too. like we're just you know what I mean? Like, I mean, we've seen movies before, so we know that certain characters are probably have a little bit of plot armor, but you're really anticipating death at all times. And you know that these bad guys don't give a shit. Like they're not going to hesitate. If the time I was going to, I was going to say when a whole room full of people get shot in the back of the head, execution style, and then the first person at the apartment to die is the handicapped guy. You're like, okay, well, they're just yeah. <laughs> all bets are off. Yeah. For the record, around. one of one of the two handicapped guys. There's a blind guy there as well. Or they're both blind. Here's here's a weird thing about this movie that I was trying to figure out the entire time. And I and I looked it up a hundred times trying to prove myself right and it never worked. So not the uh not the leather jacket guy, but you know, we've got curly headed main character Nazi guy. Yeah. So his second in command that they're kind of talking shit to the whole time. Yeah. Is that fucking Colin Mockery? Am I losing my mind? No, I can't be Colin Mockery. <laughs> I was like, that. it looks like him. It sounds like him. And I was no. like doing the math of how old he would have been at that time. And I was like, I swear to fucking God, this is fucking improv comedy legend Colin Mockery playing a goddamn Nazi in a movie. I'm looking this up because I need to know it's not, yeah, but I'm pretty I'm, sure it's not. <laughs> I'm looking right now. I don't, I don't scrolling back through his 110 acting credits, <laughs> but no, because I don't think he's an East coast guy either. No. Nope. Yeah. It was just, right. Everything kept bouncing around in my head. I was like, well, no, this is early 70s. So it could be and I was like, no, no, it can't be. Well, but it's a Canadian movie, and he's Canadian, so maybe. <laughs> Canadian's not that big. Yes, I did call it Canadian. Yes, I know. Um, that's, I'm so glad it's not Colin Mockery being a Nazi. Because <laughs> then I'd have to assume he improved some of those lines, and I'd be all upset with them. <laughs> He wasn't even in the movie. He just walked in and just started adding to the scene. It was weird. Screaming anti-gay stuff. And all of a sudden they're like, I just want to be the guy that gets shot later. Okay. Well, I was just, I was so hoping, I I was almost hoping it would be him because, uh, you know, me and uh, 
the the fat kid used to have the joke where all I ever wanted to do was do an interview show where we interviewed famous people who had had very important careers. And you just ask them a thousand questions about the one random ass fucking weird movie that they were in that one time. That's what I would do. I'd be like, oh, yeah, you're an improv legend and all that. So let's talk about the siege. You were a Nazi, man. <laughs> no, he would have been safe. I believe he has a trans daughter, I want to say. Well, I mean, I don't think any of the actors necessarily are actual Nazis. I don't think we need to make that assumption. What? <laughs> I will say this. You know who you want to know? Like, guess because I was trying to bring up all the positive stuff and keep it on all the good fun stabbing and things that went on. But you guys yeah. keep making it sad. So I, uh, I, I think you guys should read some of the plot descriptions of this movie, because in many of the plot descriptions, I think, including the one on Tubi, it actually says that the gay bar is attacked by a group of vigilantes. And I found that very upsetting when I read it. I'm like, vigil, vigilante is not a term phrasing. That term is completely incorrect. It is like that implies that they're going after people who have done something wrong, right? And and it very much upset me, especially because the movie is so progressive in its views. And I'm just like, no, 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 don't imply that they're there for a good reason, like. It's not like, oh, they had good intentions, but they just went a little off the rails. They're fucking like Nazis. They're fascists. You. Uh... So anyways, that, that was upsetting. Yeah, this movie's fucking great. It's it's I'm genuinely impressed with it. Like I hadn't heard of it until like. Within the last year, I think I saw it sitting on Shudder. And was like, oh, I should watch that. It's a siege movie. Like, I like siege movies. And I didn't even know it was Canadian until I started watching it. And it pops up and it says Halifax 1981. And I'm like, Halifax? <laughs> I didn't anticipate that. Well, it's it's one of those movies that I only knew it by the movie poster. Yeah. And the movie poster is the, the very suburban looking guy and woman. Yeah. Like kind of standing, holding guns. Yeah, and that is not what this movie is about. I don't know why that poster exists. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> there's a bunch of other like um, different alternative posters that I found online when I was looking, and all of them are a better representation of the movie than that one, which is the actual one that gets used the most. <laughs> because the characters are don't look like the characters from the movie. They look vaguely like the people, but the they're dressed like yuppies in the poster as opposed to like looking like average everyday Canadians from the eighties. It's all the guys have flannel shirts on and everything. Well, yeah. And I think that makes, that makes this movie better is the fact that, so if it was him being protected by your average, like middle-class suburbanite, kind of people that's that's one movie but i kind of like this one in which it's poor struggling people yeah there's something about the fact that those people don't have the best lives in the world and like it would be easy for them to say not my problem i got enough shit going on in my day-to-day life like they're arguing over cigarettes and cooking over like a a heater in their apartment when this guy shows up so you could completely understand those characters saying, I don't 
I'm not getting involved in this. Like I got enough to deal with. And the, the fact that they don't makes it better. It makes it more interesting. Um, then you're right. Like the, the people who you would think like, yeah, you, you guys have a responsibility to do something here. Yeah. yeah Cause he even offers to leave like multiple times because yeah, he knows he's bringing hell down upon him. But that's, I, I found that to be really interesting that, the Danielle character that actually like whenever he offers to leave, I'm like, that is interesting because I mean, at some point does he have a responsibility to leave to not get everyone else killed? You know what I mean? That's that's one thing. And then the other thing is like, I found it very interesting that he kept offering, like he's not a total coward. Like hmm. he doesn't want to get these other people hurt. He's just a guy that was put in a shitty situation through absolutely no fault of his own. You know, he was he was just having beers with his friends, and this had to happen. Yeah, yeah. That whole that whole part of it remind for some reason reminded me of the part from uh, Judgment Night where they are trapped in the apartment building, and that lady lets them come in their her apartment or whatever. Yeah, yeah, <clears throat> but. I mean, realistically, everything in my life goes back to Judgment Night somehow. I mean, I don't see how it wouldn't, so. But. I don't know. Is there any other parts of this movie that you guys just want to talk about how good they were? Uh, it's hard It's hard to discuss, like, the film because of, yeah, it's it's a, an atmosphere type situation where it's, like, the tenseness of the film and the, the, real, the real feeling of the siege is yeah. what makes it great. I really yeah. liked the way that when they thought that they were done when that, that whole period of time where they're like, we think we killed all the Nazis. Like we did it guys, everybody happy ending. And we're all like, but wait, there's still one bad guy out there. Right. <laughs> As an audience, we're like, you guys shouldn't be so happy about this. And then he starts sneaking in and taking people out. I thought that was really good filmmaking. That was good. Yeah. No. Yeah. Like you said, this entire movie is just, a uh it's a mood it's tension the entire time yeah it's hard to explain just characters stand up and you're like no 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 get back down quick yeah and there's something once again there's something about the design of that building which i i don't i don't know if there's a lot of modern equivalents of it because it's just you know those types of uh living situations are so illegal now but yeah. it's those weird apartments in New York City where they cut an apartment into three apartments and sublet it. Or uh, the town I grew up in, Decatur, what they would do is they would buy these old nice houses and then slice them up into 15 apartments in a four-bedroom house. Yeah. Yeah, you see that a lot in, in bigger cities. And that's what it seems like they've done here is like just subdivided this place over and over again. Yeah, to the to the point where the layout of the building is nonsense. Yeah, but I think it adds to the for the movie like it's. Well, it's yeah, weird how like life just works out like that. Yeah, it's claustrophobic, and it's almost like the entire building is like rat tunnels. Yeah, in a weird way, I don't know. Yeah, especially with that like uh, militia dude or whatever. It's just like, oh, let me go in my apartment. Let me, let me, uh, you know, shimmy through this medicine cabinet, or go in through the hatch on the roof, and 
I'll set up all my traps with the electrified uh, door handles and shit. Convenient neighbor to have, eh? Right. What are, you know what we haven't talked about yet is that one dude that's just lives in one of the other apartments and has no idea what's going on through most of the movie. <laughs> then they just, just for no reason, the fascists just kick in his door and he's like, what the hell? And then they just shoot him and then we cut back and they just, he's just laying there and his cat's drinking his blood. And it's like, oh, I'm glad that happened. That was just like, we needed another guy to die. Come on, it's an exploitation movie. Kill another guy. Oh, yeah, we need one more death. Call John up, see if he'll come back down and kill him. It's just, it's it. I don't know. It like knowing the backstory, it feels like maybe they were filming a movie in this apartment building, and then like they woke up the neighbors, like, "What the fuck are you guys doing? We're making a movie. Well, well can I be in it? <laughs> I guess, but like we're just having to kill you off because we don't have time to film any lines or anything. That's cool. I'd like my cat to be in the scene if that's possible. Yeah. No <laughs> yeah. This is this is one of those movies too where that term. I feel like it's so misplaced because I, I think by definition, this is an exploitation movie, but I think calling it an exploitation movie does it such disservice. Ah, I don't know. I don't care. Like I, I don't consider an exploitation movie to be a derogatory term. I, I only do in the fact that ex- exploitation to me, by definition, is the value of the film is that it's just purely designed to to push buttons and stimulate the yeah center of your brain instead of crafting a, a narrative and atmosphere and all that kind of stuff in which this one is nothing but atmosphere. Yeah, I, I I agree with you that this movie is nothing but atmosphere, and I don't, uh, I just don't think that the two are mutually exclusive. I think right. this movie it hits the exploitation elements of it well, with the over the top, not necessarily over the top, but with the the very dark killings and the and right. the a violence. Dude shot, a, a dude gets shot in the neck with a arrow. <laughs> yeah, a dude gets <laughs> shot in the neck with an arrow. The hairspray flamethrower and shot with yeah. a gun at the same time. And a sniper spends half the movie with a screw sticking out of his cheekbone. Yeah. And then <laughs> that one guy gets his hand shut up, shot up and, you know, the guy's cat eats his body. Like all that stuff is in there and I think it all works, but I don't think that negates the atmosphere and I don't think it is. There's nothing wrong with enjoying both elements of the film. Did you guys, by the way, did you guys get upset when that one guy gets his hand shot? I mean, he's not very upset. He's like, ah, I'll just go to the doctor. Did you guys find that frustrating? He's just <laughs> go to the doctor whenever he wants. Like the big argument they have is who's going to drive him there. <laughs> he's like, I can just take myself. It'll be fine. There's free parking at the hospital. <sighs> Didn't even think about it until just now, you son of a bitch. <laughs> it's like, I immediately thought of you guys. I'm like, oh, I wonder if they're jealous. Uh, do you guys have to report uh, gunshots to the police up there if you go to the hospital? Do you know by personal experience, like, Doc? I do not. I would presume that if uh, someone is shot that the police get involved. I, it seems like they would, but it just doesn't happen often enough for like it to be common knowledge from amongst citizens. Just ask a cop up there like, oh, I don't know, eh? We never had that problem. <laughs>
that's still the funniest thing about this whole movie to me is like I just I, I've been to Halifax. It's such a laid back place. <laughs> the idea that this would happen there is a bit crazy to me. I just well, they had a police strike. Without police, everything falls into ruin. I know, I know. And, and Halifax, what in the Nova Scotia part, right? Yeah. I'm I'm slowly learning more about the regionalisms of Canada. Yeah. Halifax is in Nova Scotia. It's right on the ocean. So you can take a day trip from there up to Peggy's Cove if you want. Just, I know nice... people from Newfoundland have a weird accent yep. and Canadians act like they're not Canadians for some reason. Because well, they're still new. They've only been Canadian since like 1947 or something. Yeah. And then you've got the Quebec people, which are the French Canadians. That they, uh, once again, the Canadians pretend that they're not Canadians. No, the French people can pretend they're not Canadians. Yeah, and I was getting ready to say, and they pretend the rest of Canada aren't Canadians. Yeah, they did like a whole like referendum thing in the 90s to try to separate Quebec from the rest of the country. Yeah, and then there's Alberta, which apparently is Canada, Texas. Yeah. Oh, but that's where the Hart family's from. Yeah. Like I said, Canada tax it. <laughs> uh, well, should we move on to our other film? Sure. Yeah. Uh, Noah, do you want to tell us about Alone in the Dark? I know you were excited to watch this one. Yeah, Alone in the Dark. So this is about a... Um, a psychiatrist specializing in the criminally insane who takes a new job uh, working for a guy who's developed some alternate treatments for people. Uh, He has six very dangerous (laughs) people in his facility and uh, were treated to the fact very quickly that Donald Pleasant's character, who is the guy running this place, uh, is a little too fucking hippy dippy about dangerous fucking people. <laughs> and we're introduced to them, in which we've got, uh, man, I'm not going to remember any of these fucking people's names. Just, just use who they really are. Yeah, they don't need. I'm not going to remember those names either. Uh, Jesus Frank, Christ. Frank Langella, right? <laughs> No. No. <laughs> Jack Palance. Jack Palance. Martin Landau. Some guy I don't know. And another guy I don't know. Yeah, but we've got the dangerous, crazy people uh, who instantly become convinced that this new psychiatrist killed their old psychiatrist and they're going to get their vengeance. As you do. Which this new psychiatrist is Dwight Schultz, by the way. Yeah. Murdoch from uh, the A-Team or is it Barkley from Star Trek? Yeah. I'd also like to point out that one of the crazy guys whose name you don't know is Dynamo from... Uh... Oh my god! Oh, that was god. him! Yeah. He looks so familiar, I didn't know where I knew him from. I couldn't I couldn't quite be... I can't remember the name of the movie off the top of my head, but... Like, running you guys Man. Know what I mean. Yeah, Running Man. I don't know why I couldn't do that. <laughs> That makes complete sense now. I'm so I'm so glad I bought this movie too. 
yeah, if we're he points out that he was required to put in a security system for these once again very dangerous criminal insane guys. But in order to make it less bad, he made it as open as possible, and everything's just run off electricity. Yeah, surely no you, problems. How did you know everything was run off electricity? Is it because literally every character in the film looks into the camera and says the only thing stopping them from getting out is the electricity? Is that what clued you in? Or <laughs> that can't be it. Uh, yeah. So of course, what happens? There's a blackout. Oh, man. Who could have predicted? Yeah. And they all escape. <laughs> and of course, they all go to this guy's house. And like weirdly for a day, mildly harass his family. <laughs> before then turning the crazy up to 11 and trying to kill everyone. Yeah, yeah it is this- weird. It's like they're waiting for everyone to get home. Like they show up there and just the daughter is home and they're like, I can't do anything yet. Mom and dad aren't here. Well, especially the fact that the dangerous, murderous pedophile is alone with the child. Yeah. And apparently doesn't do anything. And they go out of their way to point out that like, no, he just folded origami with her and then left. Yeah. Yeah. Just. Super weird. There's something more sadistic about the fact that he hung out with her all day and didn't do anything and then came back to get her later. <laughs> that's well, that's worse to me for some reason. I don't know and why. And during, during their grand escape, whenever they're all getting weapons and stuff, one of the characters who has only been referred to as the bleeder, because apparently he gets nosebleeds every time he gets super horny about strangling a chick to death. Mm-hmm. Uh. We see him in a hockey mask and he loses it because he kills somebody and gets a nosebleed and they leave him behind. And then the main character's sister has come to visit and I just, I'm trying to figure out if there's supposed to be some kind of a theme to this where clearly she's also mentally ill. Yeah. But she had some kind of, they say she had some sort of a breakdown and she's sort of moved past it now. Right. And I don't know if it's supposed to be one of these things where maybe her like that's the reason why her brother is a psychiatrist that because of her or something. I don't, I don't know. No, I think it's all just a coincidence because they want her to scream and yell later when, and have a freak out. And they just decided to write a whole subplot about it. Right. So she, of course, meets a guy at this protest, which is obviously bleeder. Like <laughs> for one fucking second think that it's not that guy see i didn't because the whole time every time i watch this movie i want the psychiatrist at the end i want the twist to be that he's one of the killers that's what i always want is for donald pleasance to show up and be like it turns out i was one of the i was one of the patients the whole time (laughs) and and so like i'm not worried about any other plot twists because i just want that one to happen and it i don't i keep watching the movie and it keeps not happening (laughs) it's so frustrating (laughs) i've seen the movie like five times now and it never happens i'll try again i don't know see i I think it's good enough that the idea by the end of the movie is that, you know, you're at the beginning of the movie, you're going, yeah, maybe he's he's just as crazy as all these people he's taking care of. 
And then by the end of the movie, you're like, oh, yeah, he is. And he's going to die because he's a fucking idiot. <laughs> so, yeah, let's give these uh, psychotic killers matches. It's no problem. Oh, not just not just like the killers. He gives the pyromaniac, the guy, the guy who is in there for setting buildings on fire. He gives matches. Yeah, but what's the worst that can happen? He's going to light his coat on fire or run around waving it around over his head. Sure. (laughs) God, I love this movie. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I would say my biggest my biggest complaint about this movie is it's got a bunch of lulls in it. It like it's got a, a little bit of a pacing issue where I feel like it could move a little faster at certain points, especially when you start the movie with a, dr- a dream sequence from a crazy person with Donald Pleasant carrying a giant like machete and cutting a dude in half balls first. Well, let's point this out, though. Okay, so we have that. Then we have the guy lighting his coat on fire and swinging around over his head. And then we have the giant riot that breaks out as soon as the power goes out. Because if you think police strikes cause things to go to hell quickly, wait till somebody turns off the lights. Everybody in the entire town immediately starts looting the local sporting goods store. Like, just ridiculous over the top. And uh, then we get to the, the stuff with the siege in the house like how much more do you want to have happen in this movie well i can see noah's point because i mean they do kind of show up and like oh shit's about to go down but it's like oh nobody's home so then like sort of nothing really happens for a while until we'll get home but then like the dad has to run back to the hospital because you know the people escaped so he has to go do a head count and shit well and how long does this blackout last I don't think it's very long. Because at least an entire day passes. Okay. That's a day. I mean, that's a long blackout. Because <laughs> it happens it happens at night, and then in the morning, uh, the preacher guy shows up at the house, talks to the wife, and she's like, he's not here. And then she leaves and goes to whatever the fuck she's doing in which I guess they're going to a protest nuclear power, but but the blackouts already started at that point. Yeah. He's still got a protest. So what did I mean? So where are they going? It's all part of a conspiracy. They're having blackouts to convince everyone that we need nuclear power. And that's why it's important to go to the protest. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's confusing. So, something about the timeline and stuff of this movie is really weird. I don't think it's confusing. I think it's just unnecessarily complicated considering the tone of the film. And it's like, why do we have to have a subplot about nuclear power and protests? And why do we have to have the sister with her own, like, dealing with her own trauma and mental issues? Like, none of that is really necessary plot-wise. So why do it? And it just it leads to all this, like craziness of having like the uh you know the mom get arrested and everything and you're like why like she's just like a suburban mom and now she's getting arrested and we're just all okay with this all right and can we just all permanently agree to and establish the fact that there has never been a moment in history where that side ponytail thing was okay (laughs) i don't know i kind of like it not once no how dare you 
Don't, I don't like don't, it. Don't do not she's, ever encourage that type of. Stuff. She's got the pink and blue stripes in her hair too. That's, That's fine. Yeah, I don't know. You might be on the outs on this one, no? Um, how dare you? How dare more, you both? more importantly, breaking news. Uh, a lot of websites are reporting that WWE has officially been sold to Saudi Arabia. Okay. And I'm not even joking. Saudi Arabia's public investment fund. And apparently the company is going to be taking the company private now. All right. I don't. Interesting. The idea, the idea of the WWE becoming an Islamic propaganda machine to me is hilarious. Yeah. Good times. Um, I don't I do, want you interrupted our conversation for that, but okay. Uh, just because I was reading it and I'm like, holy shit. Because me and Doug were talking about it before Noah showed up. Anyways, yeah, uh, once, once the murder and terrorizing starts, it's great. Well, I do find it interesting that the blackout has happened for like 20 minutes and the town has already fallen into like rioting, oh, essentially. Complete disarray. Yeah, it's hilarious. It's just like this, the, this these like filmmakers have no faith in humans whatsoever to hold their shit no. together. Apparently, Jack Shoulder, who's the director, who would, would then do. Uh, Nightmare on Elm Street 2 after this. Uh, God. He, uh, he wanted to set this in New York, but obviously they didn't have the money for it. So right. set it in a small, like, mid-New York town instead. But I like that the town's small enough that it's like, oh, there's a blackout. Everybody, down to the strip mall. We're going to loot. <laughs> It does feel like it's the only strip mall in town right? and everybody's looting at the same spot. It's like, how much looting can you get done in this one little place? And like, how awkward is it going to be when you like loot the store? But then like the next day, you know, the owner and you're just like, <laughs> it's like, I was looting your store yesterday, Bob. And I'm, I'm sorry about that. You know, <laughs> are you the one that stole the hockey mask and all the knives? Oh, that no. wasn't me. Sorry, Bob. <laughs> just, just awkward. Looting in a small town seems awkward to me. Just the, the social <laughs> aspect of it. It's just not worth it. Can we also talk about the fact that in this movie that so Jack, Jack Palance is kind of billed as the leader of the group of uh, crazy folks? Yeah. And can we, can I we just pause for a second before we move on. Total in this movie for three and a half minutes. Yeah. He's the biggest star. But let's move on and like before we just jump into this, let's talk about the fact that you just said the leader of the group of crazies. Like the group of crazies is an organized group, which is hilarious to me. <laughs> but I, th- I do think he's right, though. I think they do follow his lead, like even in the hospital. Yeah. Like, oh, they absolutely do. Yeah. yeah, it's it's definitely portrayed that way. Like it's. Because they're portrayed almost like prisoners in that sense, where they've got their own hierarchy and they're stuck in their cells, but they all kind of like still work together. Oh, this movie. We've talked several times in the past about the fact that uh, horror movies and portrayals of mental illness are not a very good uh, bedfellows. Yeah. And this movie is 
no exception to that. This this may be the worst presentation of mentally ill. You don't you don't you don't feel that this movie gets it nails it on the head with just the portrayal of like everybody who's mentally disabled is automatically extremely violent and sociopathic and wanting to hurt everyone around them at all times. You don't think that that's how mentally ill people are? Oh yeah, and and cartoonish characters. Yeah, yeah. Listen. I don't think they were going for realism in this movie. Huh. Are you telling me that you didn't believe Lynn Shay at the beginning of this movie when she said that the doctor was invisible? God. Oh my God. I love that moment. <laughs> I don't, I'm not convinced it's a good idea to have a mentally disabled person be your secretary. <laughs> I'm not convinced that if you did, this is the results you would get. But oh my God, the like when the, he's like, can I see the doctor? And she's like, nobody can see the doctor. He's invisible. <laughs> just <laughs> well, just laugh out loud, funny moment. Uh, so fun. But what a great tone setter it is whenever he finally gets to the doctor and he's talking to him. And of course, he's he's smoking that ridiculous Native American uh, peace pipe because every character in this movie is a fucking cartoon character. (laughs) But whenever he asks him about her and he's like, oh, yeah, she has issues. And he goes, well, yeah, she thinks you're invisible. And he goes, oh, well, to her, I am invisible. Like, (laughs) like his his reaction isn't. Oh, yeah, she's yeah, she's got some you know, dissociative problems and all, you know what I mean? Like, and he's like, no, no, I just, I, she, I completely feed into her delusion. So yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, that seems to be his entire therapy is just, Oh yeah, no, whatever, whatever delusion they have, I just agree with that and move on. It's, if we all think it's true, then it's not a delusion anymore. And then we don't have to address it. Problem solved yeah it's it's possible that he's not the best at his job uh you think that's my take on it <laughs> controversial statement but it doesn't seem like he did much to uh tame the worst instincts of these people that he was supposed uh, to be caring for considering the only thing jack palace needed to do to find out if he could escape was to put his hands on the window Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, I can put my hands on the window. Guess what, guys? We're out of here. Well, as an audience, we already knew that they could escape because literally every character had already told us out loud in words that electricity was the only thing keeping them in. So, <laughs> I mean, literally, the door, the exit door, apparently not only had a magnetic lock on it, but it didn't even have a latch. The second the electricity turned off, the yeah. door could just freely swing open. That's correct. That's how those are built. It's an electronic magnet holding it shut. And then there's nothing else that happens. There's no, there's no other mechanism to the door. Surprised it even had hinges. I thought it was just going to fall right off when he was doing it. <laughs> just to push it with your finger and it just falls over. Um, I don't know. Do we have any other favorite parts of this movie? Uh, 
when the uh, attending guy who works up on the floor with the dangerous guys gets fucking backbreakered by the big dude. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Which apparently that dude, uh, Dynamo, as we now know, um, apparently he was like a weightlifter, even though he's looks completely out of shape. Well, he's, cle- he's clearly very strong. Clearly. Uh, and we know that for a fact because apparently the scene where he grabs the babysitter and just picks her up by her neck. Yeah. They just did that for real. They just had him pick up the babysitter and grab her yeah. by the neck. Cause... There was no like special effects. There's no, like, we'll put a wire on her. He's just like, oh, I could just grab her by the neck, just pick her up. And they're like, okay, and go. That's that's great. Um <laughs> Do you know what's Which also do? means the look and terror on her face is also real. <laughs> Clearly, yeah. I mean, she's not that good of an actress, apparently. <laughs> his um his death scene is amazing. When they put that big knife in his back and he's still going, and then they whack the knife, like drive it in with a baseball bat. <laughs> I fucking love it. It's like a weird version of Van Helsing using a, a stake and a hammer. It's just put a, a butcher's uh, knife in the guy's back and then hammer it with a baseball bat. It'd be so happy. <laughs> I just, I love the just the overall like slasher feel to this. That eighties kind of cheesy, like yeah, horrific things are happening, but we're all having a good time with it. Yeah, <laughs> that that element of this was just fantastic. Instead of one slasher, you get four. Yeah, working together. No, it's a hard movie to talk about because it's just us just going. That was cool. <laughs> Yeah, how about how about whenever that cop gets stuck to that tree with an arrow? Pretty awesome. I just pretend he's a Nazi like from the last movie. Makes you feel better. Thanks for calling the Midnight Drive-In. No one is here to take your call. For more info, check out the Midnight Drive-In on Twitter at MN Drive-In Pod or find us on Facebook. If you want to email us, send it to the Midnight Drive-In at gmail.com. Remember, no outside food and drink. Anyone caught performing sexual acts at the drive-in will immediately be taken to the office. Unspeakable things will be done to you. Thanks for calling. All right, what'd you watch, Noah? Uh, I watched a couple things. Number one, uh, I was kind of sitting around sick and had nothing to do, so I was like, you know what makes me feel good whenever I'm alone and sad? Joe Bob. So I watched uh, the Midnight Drive-In, or not the Midnight Drive-In, the last drive-in version of the director's cut of Nightbreed. Nice. That's fun. Oh, which is great. I mean, it's one of my favorite movies, and then listening to Joe Bob go fucking berserk talking about it. So great. And I kind of love his explanations of things. Where he just explains how, you know, how bad the studio came in and just fucked up everything that uh, Clive Barker was doing. And then he and then he's like, you know, and Clive Barker was just such a great guy. He didn't want to talk shit about all these people that he worked with. So he didn't do it, even though he should have been like, hey, they got a part of my movie, you know. I don't know. It's it's great. I don't think I have to remind you guys that it's a fucking great movie. No, we're all aware. Yeah. 
I think Did even we... the shitty, even the shitty version of the movie is still a good movie. Just oh, I agree with that. effects. Like I, my memory of it is not great because the last bunch of times I've seen that movie, I've seen the, the better version. But I, uh, I, I remember enjoying the original version. It's not like I thought it was a bad movie at any point in time. Yeah. Yeah. Story, story wise, the like the theatrical cut is not well put together. Yeah, it's just one of those movies when you watch it, you can instantly see that every character in this movie has a backstory. Even right. if they don't tell you what it is on screen, you feel like, oh yeah, that character has lived, like lived a life. And I can just tell that just from seeing them interact with people and stuff. And it is unfortunate the studio's like, nah, we're gonna going to make this movie make less sense. So, yeah, and it is a crime. It is a crime against cinema that like we didn't get Clive Barker's version originally and that there were not five more follow up movies to this, like in some kind yeah. of crazy epic horror series. Yeah, there's so much potential to explore all of those different characters. So yeah, but I'm not gonna do, I'm not gonna drone on about it. Everybody knows it's one of my favorite movies. I, I fucking love it. Everybody loves it. Uh, and then I watched Psycho Goreman finally. Yeah. In which <laughs> I, I don't I don't know what I was expecting going into it, but I was not expecting what I got. Is that good or bad? I don't know. Most mostly good, although man, that little girl character is fucking insufferable, <laughs> and I know that's on purpose. But you're you're almost yeah. rooting for her to die. She's fucking awful. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I don't I don't know. I was expecting. I thought it was like a a horror movie version of what if your imaginary friend was a horrible genie monster that could destroy people into and real. And instead what I got is man, somebody was super fucking horny for the movie, the Giver and power Rangers <laughs> And they were like, yeah, what if that, but gory? Like, that's that's pretty much it. <laughs> I think that's the entire premise. Is well, Giver on our list yet? Giver needs to be on our list if it's not, by the way. Let's just interject that. Well, you know who the director is, don't you? The director of Psycho Gorman? Yeah. No, I have no idea. Uh, he's one of the Astron 6 guys. That makes sense. Yeah, so he did uh, Manborg and Father's Day, and he did uh, he did the I Void. Gonna, I, I was going to say it had a lot of Wolf Cop vibes. But yeah, uh, no, I was I was into it. I thought it was funny. I thought some of the jokes got a little old because it was just the same joke over and over and over. 
And for the most part, the joke is, look at this little girl. She's a psychopath. Ha, 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 ha. And it's like, yeah, but that's not funny. <laughs> and she's annoying. And she's, like, terrible. Because it's, it's not she's a crazy little girl and she's also, you know, she loves her family and stuff. It's like, no, she's a terrible little monster who treats everyone around her like shit. And you're kind of like, man, I hope I hope fucking Psycho Gourmet just rips her fucking face off. And he never gets to. And and crazy ball for the win. What about the the kid? What, he gets turned into like a brain or just a pile of ooze or some shit. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's a strange. It's a strange one. I. It was fun, and it was great. It's just so fucking. Like I said, it's so niche. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm, I'm assuming there are other people like me who understand what the Giver was and all that. You know what I mean? Who like are like, oh, yeah. okay, I get it. I get it. They were like, what if these fucked up kids things were just slightly more fucked up? Oh yeah, I'm pretty sure that was that was the intent of everything. I mean, especially when you get to the scene where Psycho Gorman calls in his reinforcements of his evil cadre of Power Rangers villains <laughs> and they have their Power Rangers fight. Yeah. It's just I mean, it couldn't be more obvious what they're doing, but But yeah, I'm glad I watched it. I figured you'd enjoy it. Uh, and and I think that's pretty much it. Other, other than that, I've just been like watching things. Did I talk about Mr. In Between last time we did the show? I think I did. Yes, you did. Yes, yes. Yeah. Uh, so besides watching some more of that, I'm still doing my Doctor Who watch through. <laughs> And I, I just got through the Nick Frost as Santa Claus episode with mm-hmm. Capaldi. Yeah. Which I don't know. I don't know how I didn't know that was a thing. <laughs> but that's that's a thing that's in my head now. Yeah, I watched it when it premiered. I was like, yes, Nick Frost is Santa. This is the best idea ever. And I'm still I'm still into Capaldi. I know people were like a lot of people were so lukewarm on him and I just, I find him so compelling. Yeah. Just cause he's not like the show is still silly, but he's not necessarily silly. And that's why you like him. Cause you're like, Oh, he's a grumpy old man in a silly world. I can yeah. identify, I can identify with this. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe that's it. Well, I also see, but I also like the classic show in which the original doctor was a grumpy old man in a silly world. So, you know, I didn't really start watching until the uh, Eccleson run, so. I mean, it it, it did the same thing, though, because it changes because all the doctors, every doctor has been way different. In in certain ways. Until it got to Tennant. And then I think my biggest problem is that the ten- David Tennant doctor and the Matt Smith doctor are so fucking similar. 
because they're both kind of they're both kind of goofy and they're both the wibbly wobbly timey wimey doctor you know what i mean they both like that's their thing but one says alan z and the other one says geronimo come on yeah yeah and matt smith likes to refer to things as being cool bow ties are cool cowboy hats are cool and David Tennant's like, look at my fresh, clean sneakers. Because that was his... <laughs> 75% of David Tennant's doctor personality was clean sneakers. Chucks, specifically. Yeah, he did love them Chucks. Which I haven't watched the show in a long time. Because I just could not get into Capaldi. I came back when Jody Palmer took over. Jody Whitaker? What's her name? Whoever. But the female uh, Doctor Who took over. Was given that a shot. Could not get into that either. I may watch this new David Tennant version again just to see what doing with the storyline. They're bringing David Tennant back again? Have you not been paying attention? You don't pay attention to shit. I thought, I thought it was supposed to be a black guy. So when the female one regenerated, she regenerated back into David Tennant. And there hasn't been an episode since. So nobody knows why. So apparently he's doing like the 60th anniversary special. Maybe a couple other specials. And then they're regenerating into the newest version. Interesting. That's yeah, no, why I, you didn't I, know Nick Frost was on an episode. No, I, I really, I really haven't followed it in a real long time. Because, like I said, whenever I didn't like Matt Smith, so I kind of lost track of everything. And then it's one of those shows that it feels like there's so much of it that if you miss something, then you're all fucked up. But yeah, yeah, that's it. Doug, what have you been watching? Uh, I haven't been watching a lot. I did watch one movie called uh, Life After Beth, which is one of those weird pseudo-romantic comedy slash horror films about somebody whose significant other comes back to life. Yeah, it's Aubrey Plaza, isn't it? Yes, it is. That's what got me to watch it, because I like her. And I, I, I remember seeing trailers for this like when it was new, which is like 2014-ish. Um. And I just was like, hey, I kind of want to see that. And then I, for some reason, stumbled across information about it while I was goofing around online. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to watch that right now. Um, yeah, it's, I don't know, like a lot of these movies are the same where it's like, oh, look, they're back. Oh, no. Now they're acting strange and doing weird things. And it appears that they are a zombie. Like, except this time it's like Aubrey Plaza and her dad is John C. Riley, And it's like... <laughs> Okay, this is better than most because of that. Um, yeah, I don't really know what to say, but like the plot is, you know, she's back, she's acting weird. What are we going to do? Are we going to, uh, are we going to do something about this or not? And then, of course, it, at the end, the full on, a whole bunch of people start coming back and behaving quirky and weird, and so now society's dealing with that. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's fun and pleasant to watch a lot of likable people in it um 
I don't know if it's like I don't I don't really know how to talk about it though. <laughs> Is that weird? Yeah, sure. It's just one of those things where I'm just like I don't. I'm not sure what to say about it other than if you like watching Aubrey Plaza walk around and then she does, she's really good at doing that thing where she's kind of like seems sweet and innocent, but then she's like, like at one point she's like on a date with her boyfriend on the beach and he's like playing guitar for her. And in the middle of it, she just, she's sitting there like enjoying it. And it's like a typical like romantic scene from a film. And then all of a sudden she snaps and starts beating the shit out of the lifeguard stand that's behind them. And eventually it's like burning down around them because she smashed the electricity box open. And it's like, that just happens out of nowhere completely quick. And you're like, Oh, well that's a huge shift. And she's really good at pulling that off. So, um, it, it works on that level where you're just like trying to, you don't know what's coming next because she's so good at switching from, being a nice, sweet character to just a complete psycho. Um, but they and then that just happens for like 90 minutes and then it's over. <laughs> so I, I, I enjoyed it. I'm just, I don't sure what to say about it other than there's a bunch of these kinds of movies where, you know, someone's significant other comes back from the grave and this one's good. There is one thing I really like, one like scene that I really enjoyed, which is towards the end when other people are all now coming back from their grave as well. And uh, at one point, like the former owners of a house just show up at it because apparently they died and still own the house when they died. So they just come back and they're like, what are all you people doing in our house? And for some reason, I found that concept very funny. And I kept wanting like more older owners to show back up that were even more decomposed. <laughs> But just a bunch of dead people arguing about who actually owns yeah. the house. So I don't know. For some reason, I found that very funny. Um, I don't know. Other than that, I started watching the newest season of Walking Dead because it came to Netflix. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I don't know. It's a really weird thing because that show feels like. On the one hand, it feels like nothing is happening and the plot is not progressing. And on the other hand, it feels like way too much is happening and there's just so much going on. And I don't understand how it can feel both ways at the same time, but it does. Like, it feels like there's like 10 different storylines going on and you're trying to keep track of all of them, but all of them are moving at a snail's pace. And you're just like, I don't know. I, I almost wish they'd broken the show up into 10 different series earlier rather than doing it now so that we could have a show about each of these things and I could just watch them. Yeah. Just wait to the exciting, uh, courtroom drama for the last couple episodes. That yeah. Can... I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how this goes. I'm not, I originally, I, I was planning to watch it all like quickly. I probably won't now. So just because it is so slow and I, I think it's not really designed to be binged. It's more of a show that's designed to be watched week to week. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's getting into that territory too, like where it's like okay, in the one storyline, these characters were captured at the last at the end of last season, and so now they're in like a cell being controlled by these other people. And then in this episode, now this other guy, and I'm like, so multiple of our characters have been kidnapped by multiple different groups and are locked up in cells right now. Okay, <laughs> that's where we're at. Like it's, it, I don't know. It seems like maybe it's gotten too big for its own sake. But 
I don't know. I, I will probably finish it because I, you know, ten yeah. seasons, ten seasons and four episodes into a show, like I'm not going to give up on it now. But <laughs> You're like I don't know. It's it's definitely starting this season has definitely made me feel like well maybe I don't need to watch those spinoffs as much. Yeah, and the big problem, which happens a lot in like uh, modern society, modern media, I guess. Yeah. Is they have to fucking announce everything before they even like do the other thing. Yes. So there's like no tension whatsoever for like half the characters on the show. Like, oh, are they going to make it out of the last season? Like, well, yeah, because they all got their own spinoffs. So exactly. You don't need to worry about it. That that is a problem because I didn't, I think back to like when Buffy went off the air. That was, was going to be my example. Yeah, it's like nobody knew what was going to happen and nobody knew where anybody was going to end up. And there was all of these fan theories going around about what spinoffs were going to kick, and they were all wrong. No spinoffs came. Like it's mm. <laughs> it, it's so funny that like and and now it's like it's the opposite of that where it's like oh well I, I was going to use a different example. That what were you going to say? The same thing. Well, they announced that Spike was going to move over to Angel before the last episode of Buffy aired. And he seems to to die at the end, but then is resurrected in the first episode of Angel the next season. Yeah. So it's sort of the similar. It's just like, God damn it. Why do you fucking do that shit? That's, yeah. Yeah. But I remember, do you remember there was like fan theories going around that like, Buffy was going to die and then Faith was going to take over and become like the leader of of the new series. And there was all sorts of different shit like that going on. Yeah, I remember none. them them saying like that Spike was going to get like a mini series or something or maybe a movie after was, Angel finished and then Willow was going to get a spin-off maybe and then uh the one that I think actually almost happened was Giles was going to get a spin-off of him doing Watcher shit and then uh like it because they were going to do it as a BBC show so that oh, yeah. he could film in London because that's one of the big reasons why he wanted to leave because he was away from home for so long. It's so funny that his like character and his and the actor had the same problem. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but then like that ended up getting scrapped. So. Yeah. Anyways. Yeah. That's, this that's is how Buffy we, cast. This is how we accidentally turned our Walking Dead discussion into a Buffy discussion. But yeah. Um, yeah, I don't uh, but, know. I'll, but they rerun Buffy on Comet, though, and sometimes I'll just randomly flip it on. I'm like, oh, Buffy's on. And we'll just watch an episode. And I'm like, man, I should really re- rewatch this show. I, because it's on Disney Plus here now. And like, I'm yeah. so tempted to just like, every time I log in, it's just there. I could just hit play and then I'd have seven seasons yeah. of greatness to watch. And yeah. then I'm like looking at all this other stuff I have to watch. And I'm like, there's so much out there now. I shouldn't spend so much time rewatching things, <laughs> but kind of, I want to rewatch it instead of, you know, all the other shit. Instead of watching the walking dead. Yeah. I was kind of excited to watch. Like I was going to just binge through the walking dead. I also didn't realize it's like 24 episodes or something. Yeah, they split it up and they split the whole season up into three sections. Yeah, I, and so like I actually, when I started watching it, thought, okay, this is the first section. I didn't realize it was going to be all three were going to be on Netflix right now. So it's 
binging six or eight episodes is different than binging 24. So I don't know. See how long it takes me to get this done. <laughs> you should see if Scott wants to do a, a Buffy spinoff show. Yeah. And finally get him to sit down and watch that damn show since that's what made him quit the last show. That's what made him quit was because he refused to watch it. That's what we're blaming it on this week. Yeah. Remember, he was like three episodes in and we're like, we're going to do an update. You have to watch at least one episode every every week. And he's like, oh, fuck this. And just like, yeah. I don't want to do this show no more. Do we still have that song that? Yeah, uh, I'm sure Eric Eric, right? it. it's got to be still in that <laughs> Gmail account somewhere. <laughs> Buried in the however many marketing emails have come out since oh, the show went up here. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, I guess that's the other thing I watched this week was I watched Zombies, so we could discuss it on Scott's podcast. Oh, yeah, I heard that. Yeah, so, I don't know. That, the movie's still good. The zombie and the shark's still fighting it. So <laughs> oh, okay, do, that's good. Do we need to have a, a, a if you? I guess if anybody wants to hear a detailed discussion of it, you can listen to Fresh Brains this week. Um, were you afraid that you were going to watch it and be like, "Oh shit, the zombie fighting the sharks this time"? This time, <laughs> I wasn't too nervous about it. Although I like the way they do that podcast is that Scott streams the movie for you, so you're not watching it on your own. So I'm like, what if he yeah. screws this up and nobody gets stabbed in the eye? <laughs> Somehow it's all Scott's fault. I don't, know, I don't know how he could possibly do that, but you know, you know. I'll, I'll warn anybody who goes over and listens to that podcast that I was, I was watching hockey during the first part of the recording before we watched the movie, but the game ended while the movie was on. So then I'm like much more focused in the last half of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I went back and listened to it. And it's really noticeable. <laughs> See, I probably would have noticed if you didn't bring it up on the show. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Well, in that case, let's not say that. Let's pretend I didn't say that. Right. I'm. I bring nothing but quality to that other podcast, where I did. <laughs> where I didn't know the format of it going into it. So, like, there's a couple of moments where Scott like throws to me, and I'm like, "Oh, it's my turn to talk." <laughs> <laughs> you didn't even listen to an episode before he did it. I listened to one. But I listened to the Halloween one and I was mad at that Brian guy. So. Oh, fair enough. <laughs> I did download a couple others. Like, I'll get to those. I never got to those. Yeah. Download any of Noah's? Uh, no, I don't think so. No. You guys, need, you, guys know <laughs> it. you guys know I don't support you in any of your endeavors, right? Like, that's <laughs> even if it's just you guest hosting another podcast on this same podcast network. <laughs> <laughs> podcast network that's adorable it's it's technically what we have you have i guess you're the one that did it not me i kept i keep telling people don't put the geek nerdery bumper on there geek nerdery is not really a thing and they keep doing it anyway so i'm like all right well that's where we have to link in our website yeah hey uh brian yeah. Before you tell us what you watched this week, should we go back and do the feedback that you forgot again from last week? Uh, I mean, we don't have to at this point. <laughs> All right. Um, I don't know if there's any new feedback that we have to do as well as the feedback that we already forgot once. Uh, 
making me open web pages. This is bullshit. Uh, all right. Kent. Kent wrote in. Hey, guys. Listening to the New Year's podcast. I just got to the part where Brian mentioned he's getting a divorce. I'm sorry to hear that. Meanwhile, oh. Noah's living in a murder house. Doug got his house fire out of the way early, I guess. Hopefully 2023 brings better things for y'all. Kent. Well, technically, no well, living in well, a murder house is a good thing. Well, I got my head, motherfucker, so you jinxed me. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Kent. You gave Noah's shingles. Uh, and I have to take my car to the, uh, to the auto shop tomorrow. That's probably going to cost me shit ton of money yeah it will. So, thanks a lot kent jerk stop wishing people well in the new year <laughs> where do you get off <laughs> stop being so nice and polite how dare you <sighs> happy new year uh, to you too though also i mean we should wish him well right back teach him a list <laughs> <laughs> happy 2023 May you get some sort of disease and or financial problems. I'm going to stub my toe later. I'm going to scream Ken's name so loud. <laughs> Ken! You, have to, you have to do it as Shatner yelling Khan, of course. Naturally. Um, I only really watched one movie. I went to the theater and saw Megan. Oh, how is it? I enjoyed it. People should be warned. It's a little, little heavy in the front half of it. Um, my friend that I went and saw it with, by heavy, I just mean it's a little, takes a little while to get where it's going. Okay. My friend was like, did the first half seem kind of boring to you? And I'm like, yeah, but I could kind of see what they were building up to. So I just let it happen. Um, like, what is the tone of the film like? Because I have trouble getting that from the trailers. I'm interested in the movie, though. Um, I don't think of what to compare it to. Uh, I guess my answer is going to be, I don't know. <laughs> okay. It's not like overly comedic. There's some funny stuff in it, but, um, there's more like Megan's presence is more of an ominous sort of thing. Cause they do give us. Some pretty early on hints that uh, shit's going to go wrong, but I mean, that's kind of why we're there. It's because we know it's going to happen, but, um, you know, she's not, uh, she's being told to shut down and she's not shutting down properly. She looks like she shuts down and then you notice like her eyes move and she looks over and it's like, oh, she's pretending to shut down. She's not shutting down at all. Um, then there's like other stuff where she's almost doing like modern like valley girl speak and it's just like oh okay no she's she's a good friend she's a good friend and then she you know murders somebody you know there could be more murder in this for me doesn't have a super high body count um but yeah i don't know it's killer robotic doll yeah a friend of mine has a fear of dolls, so it was great sitting there watching him watch this. 
You have friends uh, who are scared of all the things you would you like. I know it's great. Because he knows it too. Because I'm like, do you want to go see Megan? He's like, yeah. I want to be scared as shit. I'm like, I know. That's why I want to go with you to see it. <laughs> it's like I'm I'm never going to be scared of this. So I have to live vicariously through you. It's great. <sighs> like when we watched the movie Dolls, like he freaked out the entire time. It was fantastic. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. I enjoyed the movie. Uh, it's a lot of fun. Like I said, it's a killer doll movie. Can't go, can't go wrong with that. Um, uh, I finished up a Hulu series called Kindred. Uh, it's a time travel series. An uh, African-American woman keeps having... This weird thing happened to her where she will get pulled back in time to like the 1800s. Oh, that's not good. No, no, it is not. Um, and she doesn't know what's causing it at first. And, you know, why it keeps, hap- keeps happening and she'll come back to the present. And it turns out like only like two minutes have passed, but she's been in the past for like three days or something. So, you know, there's a big mystery, like, why is this happening? What do I need to do in the past to make this stop happening? And what happens that ends up causing me to go back to my original time? So, I enjoyed it. I thought it was good. I'm a sucker for uh, time travel stuff. Um, But I am going to be really pissed off if it doesn't get picked up for a second season because it ends on a cliffhanger. I was like, son of a bitch. If this gets canceled, I'm going to be so mad. I like it that when that happens to other people. (laughs) Right. Uh, But yeah, I thought it was interesting. Definitely some language you got to be worried about, as I'm sure you would expect. Um, But, you know, if you're into time travel and stuff and Seeing how, uh, oh, things were horrible back in the 1800s, then, uh, yeah, it's definitely a TV show for you. Yeah. Uh, then I actually have a couple of comic books to talk about, which are actually sort of recommendations for Doug, maybe not so much for Noah, but, uh, I don't know. I don't know. Noah, I don't think. Me, Doug, me and you have talked about being obsessed with, like, the Kevin Smith timeline back the internet was still newish. And yeah, people were pointing out all these things that how all the movies lined up in the same universe and, like, all that stuff. Yeah. So I don't know if you used to read the comic books that they put out. That uh, I read some. Yeah, so since they were written by Kevin Smith, they were technically in continuity, so they would help fill in some of those gaps. And it was always sort of fun, like, reading about what was going on and stuff. Um, So Dark Horse has given Kevin Smith his own comic imprint. Um, That's good. And one of the things he's doing is sort of an anthology series like every issue is a different story called quick stops they're all stories set in the viewers universe i fucking love it 
So the very, I've only read two issues. Um, Zabel, I got like a digital download credit for something. So I downloaded the first two issues. Probably going to wait for like the trade of all of them before I read anymore. Just because issues are like five bucks a piece now. Even for digital, it's like Jesus fucking Christ. Yeah. Uh, so I'll just wait for the trade because that'll be, seems like that'll be way cheaper. Um, but so the first story is a lot of fun and it's, uh, you know, the scene in Jay and Silent Bob reboot, they're at the convention and they're trying to hide and they go hide in one of the rooms and Ben Affleck's hanging out in there. Yeah. And they're like, what are you doing here? And he's like, oh, I was just doing an episode of my podcast. Mm-hmm. Well, you get to see them do the episode of the podcast before Jay and Silent Bob show up. And he's telling stories about uh, like where he came up with the idea for Bluntman and Chronic. So he tells the story, which then we go into, of how he met the real, real life Jay and Silent Bob when he worked for a summer at the Quick Stop. And, uh, you know, there's all kinds of uh, fun stuff that links up to other movies that's never really been mentioned before. And it's stuff that you don't really need, but it's like, oh, I know what that is. I know what that connects to. And that just it just makes it a lot more fun. I kind of love that. Yeah. Uh, and then issue two, uh, which a lot of people forget, is that Randall... And Brody are actually cousins. Right. But they've never shared a scene in any of the movies. Uh, we get them attending a funeral of their of their shared cousin, Walt. Okay. Who Randall told the story about in the original Clerks. He died trying to suck his own dick. Yeah. And so it's Brody and Randall going to the funeral and telling stories about their cousin, Walt. <laughs> and some of it's based on real life stuff that Kevin Smith has done before. Um, All right. Specifically, like if you listen to his Q and A's and stuff, like, Oh, yeah. I know that story. And he put it into the comic book. And so it's just been fun stuff like that so far. So I've really been enjoying it. This sounds like I would really enjoy this. Yeah. So if you're into the Kevin Smith use universe stuff, I've just been really happy because he put out like those handful of like clerks comics and he did the Jay and Silent Bob series and stuff. And I really enjoyed those when those came out. And then, you know, he didn't do anything forever in comics with those characters. And so I'm just happy that it's like, oh, that stuff's back. We get like little weird stories and stuff that takes place in there. And it just, it does just bring me back to that feeling of like, looking up connections online like oh you know uh holden and uh um the fuck was her name from uh in um holden and someone else goes to like this high school but this other character that ben affleck plays goes to this high school and just like you know just these weird crossover things and how people know each other and what other characters met before and stuff like that and it just sort of takes me back to that kind of stuff. And it's, it's just a lot of fun to read. So I would recommend. Yeah. I think that's it. 
think they got four issues out right now. Maybe three, and the fourth one's coming out next month. Something like that. I'd kind of like I'd, I think I'd rather get them in hard copy if I was going to do it. No, totally. I've just been trying to minimize um, the shit that I buy. So I've been doing digital comics. I may end up buying the physical trade, like I said before, though. Because it is something I would like, probably like to put up on the shelf with the other Kevin Smith stuff that I got. Here's a brief glimpse of some of the truly fine pictures we've scheduled in the near future. Next week. Uh, so we got a bunch of people trying to break into people's houses this week. But what if we had one specific person who would step in, steps, stop such things from happening? What if that person was Gary Busey? <laughs> so it's Gary Busey, Vigilante Edition. We're going to be watching Chrome Soldiers and Eye of the Tiger. All right. Uh, I didn't put these on the list, so I don't even know what these movies are about. But sure. You guys want to know what's real fucked up? If somebody was breaking into my house and I found out that Gary Busey was inside my house and going to protect me, <laughs> I would be so much more afraid. <laughs> I'd be like, why is Gary Busey here? <laughs> people, people are trying to break in and you're just like, help! Gary Busey's in the house and they're like, oh, fuck, and they just take off running and leave you there by yourself? You're like, no, no, come back, break in. <laughs> Uh, let's see. Chrome soldiers, five X soldiers go to a small town in Oregon to help a friend investigate the murder of his brother. Yep. Should be interesting. I think these are on the list because at one point I was trying to put together a Gary Busey month and uh, like each week would have a different theme to it. And I just, yeah. I never got around to doing that. So it's like, it's just this. <laughs> <laughs> So this is just what we ended up with. Uh, and then Eye of the Tiger, returning home from prison, Vietnam War veteran sets out to clean up his hometown, which has come under the control of a violent motorcycle gang. This is just walking tall. Yeah. But with Gary Busey. That's true. Uh, so. I, I don't see Chrome Soldiers playing anywhere. <laughs> I wonder if these are going to be available. I'm so uh, mad. That's a good question. Uh, looks like I have the Tigers on Tubi. That's good. Um, sorry, it's everybody's favorite part of the show where we figure out where our movies are streaming. At. It appears that Chrome Soldiers might be available for free on YouTube. Oh, nice. In one of those semi-legal formats. Semi-legal? Yeah. You have to get another, like... Uh, seven day trial of something. No, I think it's just, it's one of those ones where it's just on YouTube, but I don't know if the filmmakers know it's there or not. Or if it's oh. just... Sure. So. I'll, uh, yeah. Yeah. It's there. Looks like it works. So. Wait. Well, that's what we're doing. Gary Busey. Vigilante edition. Stop crime. All the murders. Could you, could you just imagine if you're like a bike gang and you're like, oh shit, somebody's causing trouble for us. They're trying to shut down all our operations. Who is it? Gary Busey. And you're like, what? Are you serious? What? Really? Gary? 
The Gary Busey? Doesn't seem like he should be on on their side. It seems like he'd be on our side. <laughs> I've seen the uh, what the fuck was that movie? Surviving the game or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> he seems like a bad dude. I don't know. Why is he going after us? He was terrible and lethal weapon. <laughs> <laughs> he was an asshole in Predator too. <laughs> No, he starts li- listing off all the movies where he was a jerk. I'm mad at Noah for not chiming in with a movie yet. Noah's asleep. He was <laughs> gone again. No, sorry. I'm sitting here furiously trying to resist rubbing my head. Oh, I didn't know where that sentence was going. I was getting very, <laughs> very nervous. I'm well, we're talking sure about exactly what he said. After all, please remember to replace the speaker on the post when you leave the theater. And now, folks, it's time to say goodnight. We sincerely appreciate your patronage and hope we've succeeded in bringing you an enjoyable evening of entertainment. Please drive home carefully and come back again soon. Good night. No, like literally, you guys can hear me doing it right now. I'm still here. Yeah, well, we don't. We don't want to hear it. Though. You understand that, right? Hey, hey, guys. Hey, I'm back. <laughs> Did you enjoy your break, Noah? I feel like it wasn't a break. It was. Mentally, I went to Hawaii for a couple minutes. So, I I will say this. So I've been told over and over and over again how painful shingles are. Mm-hmm. And. I've I've been having a weird experience with it where I keep telling people it doesn't hurt anywhere near as bad as I feel like it should. But like last night and stuff, I couldn't go to sleep. I'd lay down. And the more I would try to like close my eyes and relax, it would be like little stabby pains and they would just keep me awake. So I couldn't I just couldn't sleep. So I've got like zero fucking rest. And then today, going through all day today, same thing. I was like, you know, it doesn't really hurt. Not not in like a traditional, I'm in so much pain kind of way. But before we started recording, whenever I passed out for <laughs> fucking 10 minutes or whatever happened there, where mm-hmm. apparently I blacked out sitting in this chair. <laughs> <laughs> now that I've been unconscious for a minute and reawakened now i'm like oh my god my head hurts so bad i wonder if it's felt like that all day and i'm just so sleep deprived that i didn't know that i was in that much pain Mm. it's possible or maybe while you were asleep you just fell over and hit your head really bad oh i like that option better that's funny oh i'm I'm very much lucky I did not face plant out of this chair. <laughs> I'm I'm not entirely sure how I didn't do that. I believe last week we established that there was someone living in your walls, so it's possible that they snuck out and like whacked you with something, which could have both if they hit you in the front of the head, it could have helped you stay up in your chair, but at the same time caused the head pain. So it might all be 
like all, all mixed into one thing. It's all works together to make sense. I'll, t- I'll tell you what, if somebody hit me in that, in that part of the head right now with something, I would yipe like a dog. Like <laughs> very literally, I would like go ah! and like curl up in a ball somewhere and start shaking. Maybe it's the person in his wall should go on ahead of just to test that theory. I wonder if they're a listener. <laughs> <laughs> he does. He listens to Noah's side of the yeah. uh, recording every week so far. <laughs> 